0: Amen. So if you want to turn in the back of your hymnal uh, to the catechism section, um, it's uh, past the 800s, I think 879 maybe we're up to. We're up to question 20 this evening. If someone has the actual page number, let me know. Question 20 is what we're up to. Page 870. Thank you. We've been working our way through the Westminster Shorter Catechism, a helpful summary of uh, the Christian faith in a a question-and-answer format uh, meant for memorization, uh, and for summarizing what the Bible teaches. And um, uh, the last few questions have dealt with mankind's fall into sin and what does it mean uh, that we're in a state of sin and misery under God's curse there's been a few questions related to this, and that leads us up to question 20. Um, we, we use the analogy of a, of a burning building. The last few questions have been uh, diving in and saying, well, what is, what's the condition that we're in? Uh, if you're in a burning building, you need to realize I'm in a burning building. I need to do something about this. Question 20, then, uh, is, is, the, uh, is the hero that kicks down the door and comes in to rescue. So let's read this question together. Uh, Let me read the question and then read with me the answer, question 20. Did God leave all mankind to perish in an estate of sin and misery? God, having out of his mere good pleasure from all eternity elected some to everlasting life, did enter into a covenant of grace to deliver them out of the estate of sin and misery and to bring them into an estate of salvation by a Redeemer. Our passage, uh, our main passage, will be Luke 19.10, which we'll, we'll see in a few weeks, uh, Lord willing, on Sunday morning. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. To seek and to save the lost. Or perhaps you uh, remember uh, around June and July 2018 uh, when a junior association football team were rescued uh, from a cave system uh, in the Chiang Rai province in northern Thailand. Is this ringing any bells? It was all over the news at the time. Uh, that's a great question. Twelve members of said team, aged 11 to 16, and their 25 year old assistant coach entered the cave on the 23rd of June after a practice session. Shortly after they entered, heavy rainfall began and partially flooded the cave system, blocking their way out and trapping them deep within. Efforts to locate the group were hampered by rising water levels and strong currents. Uh, They were out of contact for more than a week. The cave rescue effort expanded into a massive operation and intense worldwide public interest involving international rescue teams. On the 2nd of July, after advancing through narrow passages and muddy waters, British British divers John uh, Volanthin and Rick Stanton found the group alive on an elevated rock about Uh, 2.5 miles from the cave's mouth. Rescue organizers discussed various options for extracting the group, including whether to teach them basic underwater diving skills to enable them for an early rescue. Uh, Another option was to wait until a new entrance to the cave was either found or drilled, or to wait for the floodwaters to subside by the end of the monsoon season several months later. After days of pumping water from the cave system and a respite from rain, the rescue teams hastened to get the group out of the cave before the next monsoon rain, which was expected to bring additional downpours, was expected to start on the 11th of July. Uh, Between the 8th and 10th of July, all 12 boys and their coach were rescued from the cave by an international team. Uh, We'll return to that story later. What makes stories like this so gripping? Of course, it's gripping because you sort of picture... What would I feel like if I was in that situation? Or what would I feel like if my child was in that situation? So they're gripping for that reason. Uh, but especially stories like this that have a, a happy ending where, where someone does, they, they do the effort, they, they go through the work, they do whatever it took, and they get them out of there. Uh, there there's very few things that get us as excited about that when we see a rescue. <laughs> um, bringing someone out from a, a, a place of death and danger and bringing them back into a place of life. Uh, that 's why movie after movie uh, has this same theme that 's why uh, uh, we love or should love superhero movies because uh, in it it 's just that simple story someone needs rescuing and someone comes and often at cost to themselves they rescue. What do we see in question twenty we 've uh, in, in one sense it could it feel like you 're slogging through these sections on on sin and and the estate that we 're in and especially when we take it sort of one week at a time. If we just ended there, we would say it's, it's not good news. If, if that's the end of the story, it's not. But question 20 comes, um, and, and you have to think the Westminster divines were excited as they got to question 20 to say, okay, we, we've described the estate that we're in worse than being stuck in a cave flooded with water uh, under God's wrath and curse. What happens now? And we get to see a great rescue take place. Uh, and so we're going to look, using the language of this catechism question, Uh, We're just going to look briefly. Rescued from what? Rescued to what? Uh, How were we rescued? Rescued by whom? And then why are we rescued? Rescued from what? This is more of a summary. We're rescued from an estate of sin and misery. You see that if you're looking down at question 20, to deliver them out of the estate of sin and misery. Remember, that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Um, Uh, is is a key text, um, uh, as well as others. No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They've become worthless. No one does good, not even one, Romans 3. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet yeah, we'll see that continues and are justified by his grace. But we're, uh, we're rescued from a state of sin and misery. And we talked about sin being, being the guilt of sin. We spent a lot of time talking about the guilt of Adam's first sin that we've in, inherited, that we sinned in Adam. Uh, but then the corruption of sin, uh, that we're corrupt in our whole nature, not as evil as we could possibly be, but every part of us, our mind, our will, our heart, all of it, uh, corrupted by the fall. And all of this leads to what we call actual sins, like the like the rusty faucet is only going to spew out rusty water until the faucet itself is made clean, right? And so actual sins uh, flow out of this. Jesus says, "The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person the same. Uh, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." And so that's the estate of sin. We're also in a state of misery, losing communion with God, under God's wrath and curse. Deserving all the misery and death of this world, as Romans six says, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, it's good that we've spent weeks reflecting on this. Uh, As humans, we don't like reflecting on uh, the estate that we're in without Christ, Uh, but it's it's so crucial when we when we reflect on that to say, uh, I I love how question twenty is phrased: Did God leave all mankind to perish? In a state of sin and misery, and we pressed that a couple weeks ago to say, if he did, he wouldn't be unjust in doing so, uh, because we have sinned, uh, we're under his curse justly, and yet God, as we'll see in a moment, by His mere good pleasure, uh, decides to rescue His people whom He loves, and so we're rescued from a state of sin and misery. We're rescued to something, uh, right? We're not just brought out uh, and brought sort of back up to neutral, <laughs> and then God says, "I'll see you in heaven. Good luck." No, we're we're brought into something. We're brought into an estate of salvation, an estate of salvation. Uh, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Ephesians 2, which speaks about being dead in sins and trespasses, goes on uh, to say that we've been uh, made alive in Christ Jesus. Uh, We can now walk in the light. Uh, We are children of light. He has changed us from the inside out. Uh, The rusty faucet has been fixed. Uh, so that now uh, a good treasure uh, uh, flows out of our hearts that God has made anew. Or as we've seen in 1 Peter 2, we're now a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, uh, proclaiming his excellencies, who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is what he's rescued us to. Uh, Out of an estate of sin and misery, where we were in sin, we loved our sin, we hated God, he changes our hearts, brings us into an estate of salvation. We still grapple with sin, we still wrestle with it, but now we hate sin. And now we have power against sin. And one day, sin will be done away with for good. And that's the estate of salvation that we find ourselves in. Uh, It's where true life is found, abundant life, as Jesus says. And so that's where we're rescued, too. Uh, how were we rescued? Uh, it says that he elected some to have everlasting life and did enter into a covenant of grace uh, with them. And again, this, this question in many ways is a summary question of, of much of what we've covered up till now. We've talked about the idea that we were in, in a state of sin and misery when we were under Adam as our covenant head. When we come into a state of salvation, we're now not under Adam, we're under Christ. A Christ is our mediator, our covenant head, our prophet, priest, and king. As in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And so you see the, the monumental, right? It's, it's not just that we're inwardly changed. That would be amazing enough. But when we are brought into a state of salvation, we're now, it, 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 there's a cosmic change. There's a historic change. We're now under Christ. He's our leader. He's our head. And he fulfills what we've called the covenant of grace. Uh, do you remember the main promise of, of, of all the covenants in Scripture? You should know it by now. I will be your God and you will be my people. That's the promise. And and, and there's other promises. There's promises of land and, and life and, and so many things, but they're all encapsulated in uh, what one author calls the Emmanuel principle, the God with us principle. I will be your God and you will be my people. When we were... Trapped in a state of sin and misery, God couldn't be our God. We couldn't be his people. Uh, but Jesus came and died, rescued us from sin and death, brings us into a state of salvation. And as that first Peter text uh, told us, now uh, those of us who were not God's people, we are now God's people um, in a way that's permanent. Uh, he has purchased us for himself. And who has he done this through? Uh, rescued by whom? By by a Redeemer, those last three words of the Catechism question, all of this by a Redeemer. Uh, the next section of the Catechism is really the what we call the Christology section, asking questions, who is this Redeemer? What is he like? What does it mean that he's fully human and fully God? What does it mean that he's prophet, priest, and king? Uh, we're going to be getting into that in the weeks to come, Lord willing, um, and then we'll be picking it back up next fall. Um, it's a large section, as it should be, as we wrestle with who is Jesus, Um, but here in the catechism, as it were, it's like in those great movies when, you know, the people are trapped, and um, perhaps the movie opens this way, you know, you you, you see the people trapped, and fear on their faces, and everyone's thinking, what's going to happen, and then especially in the good cheesy ones, you know, the hero shows up on the scene, and, and, and the camera's like below them, looking up at them, and um, the music changes to their theme song uh, as they arrive on the scene, and you know as the viewer everything 's going to be okay uh, here in the catechism. Jesus shows up as it were, not that he hasn 't been here throughout the whole catechism, uh, but he he shows up and in, in those rescue stories uh, we're often struck by you know particular individuals uh, with the uh, with the the team that was trapped in the cave. In Thailand, there was a man by the name of Sam uh, Gunan, a 37-year-old former Royal Thai Navy SEAL, uh, who died uh, as uh, he was rescuing the kids uh, from uh, the cave system. And then, uh, my understanding is there was another man who died some weeks after from uh, from uh, poisoning from uh, uh, from his efforts in the cave as well. Uh, we're struck, especially even in real-world rescue stories, that it's often a great cost uh, to the person who's doing the rescuing. Um, it was no simple thing for these men to decide uh, to be willing, in, 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 in this case, to, to give their life for the sake of these kids. And yet, how much more did Christ give for us? We're also struck by the monumental effort it took, even in that cave rescue. The rescue effort involved as many as 10,000 people including more than 100 divers, scores of rescue workers, representatives from about 100 governmental agencies, 900 police officers, 2,000 soldiers, 10 police helicopters, 7 ambulances, more than 700 uh, uh, diving cylinders, and pumping out more than 1 billion uh, liters of water from the caves. It was required. Uh, just this monumental effort to rescue these 12 uh, kids and their a teacher, uh, and yet when we when we think of Christ uh, he was sufficient to come on his own uh, to uh, to do the will of his Father, His blood was sufficient uh more than sufficient to pay for the sins of his people, uh, his uh, righteousness and worth was uh, sufficient more than sufficient to please his heavenly Father on our behalf, uh, so that God looks at Jesus and says, with you, I am well pleased' Uh, Jesus did everything. Uh, He came, paid the price, lived the life that we uh, were called to live, and therefore becomes our Redeemer. Our Redeemer. And why did he do this? Why did God send his Son? Uh, This is the question that, uh, in some ways, we grapple with. Uh, The Catechism answers it this way. God, having out of his mere good pleasure from all eternity... Elected some to have everlasting life. Uh, we'll certainly have a different teaching, a different day, where we dive in on what does it mean that we're elected? What does it mean that we have free will and God is sovereign? We've spent some time looking at these things, but at, for tonight, I don't want you to miss uh, the, the the beautiful nature of this statement uh, that's coming out of uh, Ephesians 1 and some other texts. Uh, God, out of his mere good pleasure, elected some to have everlasting life. Um, uh, that In some ways, that's the only answer we can give. God, the sovereign God, out of his mere good pleasure, um, out of love, as Ephesians tells us, in love we were predestined. Uh, it's like uh, that song that we uh, sing uh, often in Christ alone. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. There's a sense in which we can't give an answer. Why should I gain? A- and not this other person. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom." And so believers in Jesus Christ can both grapple with and not, and not have an answer, a tangible, well, he chose me because blank, but we can know uh, that he chose us, that he loves us, that his son came to die for us out of his mere good pleasure. Uh, and that's good news for us to hear. And so did God leave all mankind to perish? No, he did not. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, let us live our lives even this week in light of it that he did not leave us in that estate, but he brought us into an estate of salvation. Let me pray. Uh, God, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for the gospel, that we were not left uh, in our estate of sin and misery, but that out of your mere good pleasure, out of your love, uh, you predestined a people for yourself. Uh, You uh, uh, gave your only son to purchase them, uh, to be a people for your own possession, zealous for good works. And so I pray this week that we would be such a people. Uh, I pray that we would be um, uh, enraptured by the good news of the gospel, that we would be empowered by your spirit, and we'd glorify you uh, this week. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.